Pickleball professional Corinne Carr talks about how the COVID-19 pandemic actually helped her game. She also goes in depth on how to hit a block volley and practice this skill to improve your game. So to hear more, let's get to the intro. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Corinne Carr. Welcome, Corinne. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you could join. You're actually one of the first people I think I started following in, in Pickleball when I started in 2018. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. But you've probably you know, heard or uh, told the story a few times. But let me know how you first got involved in pickleball and how long ago that was. So I started playing about seven years ago and I was living in East Lansing, Michigan while going through my PhD program at Michigan State. And the weather is not ideal there. I'm from the South. I grew up in the Carolinas my whole life and I decided I needed something to do in the winter. So I joined an athletic club to get back into tennis. I grew up playing tennis and I, I missed it. So I wanted to get back into it. And the club just happened to have pickleball courts. So at some point, you know, I heard it. <laughs> I think you, most people, that's their first introduction to it. So I heard it. We were in a bubble and the bubble magnifies everything. So it's like, what is that? So that was my first introduction to pickleball, but it wasn't until maybe a few months later, somebody asked me if I wanted to try it. So I did. And somebody who was there that first day, Dan O'Toole kind of saw me play and he loved the game. He's like, we should practice. (laughs) So I started playing most days from that point on. And he's the same person who got Simone involved. So that's how we ended up playing together. But it changed my life. So (laughs) very happy it happened. Well, and you know, I was going to ask you that because... It's kind of like, did you ever expect to have the type of involvement and success in pickleball, you know, from when the very first day that you started? Not at all. You know, for me, it was, it was a hobby. It was a way to get exercise. And the first tournament I went to, I, I, the competition was so friendly and fun and all the people in pickleball were, were so nice. And I realized at that point, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't competed in anything in a few years and I realized how much I'd missed it. So at the time, I just felt like I loved pickleball. I loved the people in pickleball. And I just wanted to play and travel more. And that's all. That's all I was really thinking about. I never imagined it would become what it's become. And what I think, go ahead. But I'm so happy it did. I mean, it's such a huge part of my life. And I can't imagine any, you know, living any other way. You know, it's interesting how you got first got started. I had a similar experience where I was living in, I had lived in Texas for 25 years and grown up in Southern California before that. And I moved to Connecticut. And that's the first thing I did was I had to look for something to do indoors <laughs> in the winter. Now, are, are you back in the South now? I am. I'm in North Carolina and I'm living about an hour away from my parents, which is nice. I get to see them a lot more now. And the weather is great. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm just curious because you mentioned you were working on your PhD. Is there anything that you use from your uh, schooling that you kind of bring onto the pickleball court? Well, I mean, pickleball is certainly, it's, it is a trust game. I mean, you need to be skilled, consistent. You need to have all the shots, but 
at the end of the day, you also need to be smart about how you play the play the game. You can outplay your level sometimes just because you have a good strategy. So I, I suppose in that sense, maybe, but I do say I am a finance professor. So I do do that also. So I am using my degree. It wasn't, I, I definitely couldn't go to school for so long and not use it at least <laughs> for a while. Yeah. So any any plans to do pickleball full time since uh, you are a professor and, you know, even though Actually, I've got my PhD too. So even though it does does give you a little bit more freedom in terms of a schedule, but do you ever see your just see yourself moving fully into pickleball one day? I mean, I certainly have moments during the school year where I feel like, you know, man, it'd be great to do pickleball full time, just because I get busy and it, it's a little bit stressful going from you know tournaments over the weekend to back to work and. I feel sometimes I'm at a disadvantage not being able to practice quite as much, but, but I love my job. I love my schedule. It really is ideal. I can avoid having Friday classes and travel Thursday evening and then come back Sunday evening usually. So I really is at the moment, I feel like the best of both worlds. I can, I can continue to work at the university and still play professional pickleball and, and in the summer, you know, I'm off now. And I won't go back until mid-August. So now I have tons of time to practice. I just can't do it year-round. Now, as a player, you had mentioned, you know, strategy obviously is an important part of the game. But, you know, is there anything that you feel like kind of gives you in the sport an, an unfair advantage just because of your school background or your, I think you had a golf background too? Had a golf background. I think it could be a little maybe a little bit different for me. I don't think it's an advantage. It's just maybe a different approach to the sport. I think because pickleball is so totally different from golf, I feel like I'm out there. I have no no mental side that maybe I'm carrying over from tennis or, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's a totally different sport and I'm out there. I'm loving it. And But then from golf, I mean, golf is a game of patience and making, it's about, you know, how good you're, your bad shots are not how good your good shots are, <laughs> things like that. And I feel like some of that is very similar to pickleball where you do have to be patient and um, wait for your opportunity. And, it, and it's really not a game of winners so much as it is creating opportunity and looking for hitting the right, right spots when you do attack. So I feel like in that sense, there there are some similarities to golf. Not so much with my education, except that hopefully I'm you know smart enough to come up with a strategy. <laughs> but but I think golf, I think at least the mental side is pretty similar. Yeah, and so I, I was thinking about what you had just said. You know, creating the opportunity to really hit the right spots. You know, talk a little bit about that. I'm not sure if you're talking about kind of you know where you might target somebody. Or if, if it's something else. So if you can expand on that, that would be helpful. The game, I think everybody's getting better and better. And it's not really, I think out dinking the best players isn't really going to happen so much anymore. So I think there's a lot more of creating creating shots or creating opportunities to, to end the point. And a lot of that is maybe attacking some lower shots than we would have maybe 
done in the past, just because otherwise you're going to dink a hundred times. And, you know, maybe you'll choose where you hit your dink before you actually attack, or maybe you're attacking most, you know, changing where you attack, right shoulder, left shoulder, middle, that kind of thing. But it's all about what have you done previously? And then what should you do next? Uh, just to throw off your opponent and then hopefully create a pop-up where you can maybe end the point. So I think in that sense, it's, it is a lot of strategy. You're not just going to outdink your opponent anymore. Right. Yeah. That's definitely what everybody is saying. You know, the, the game is changing, but you know, one of the things that I always enjoy when I, you know, watch you on a live stream or on some other medium is that you always seem like you're so happy on the court, even in very stressful situations. Yeah, I mean, and I am. I do still feel like at the end of the day, win or lose, I spent my day on the pickleball court. And what's better than that? So yeah, and I'm enjoying my time out there. I, I want to, I mean, I, my goal is to win. I don't like to lose, but but still, even if I lose, I was out there playing pickleball, which is which is a great thing. Yeah, I think I saw there was a picture of you, I think, on your Facebook page. And I think you wrote sums up how I feel on the pickleball court. And then you had three smiling emojis because you, you have such a great smile on the court. So that, I thought that was perfect. And yeah, I think everything it's not just the sport for me. I love all the people, uh, everyone that I've met through pickleball. It's just the whole experience has been amazing. And I encourage everyone to try it because it's it's been such a positive in my life. And I would love for everyone to to have that experience. One of the things I wanted to ask you about too is that you had partnered with Simone for, you know, quite quite a while, but this year it looks like you've got some different different doubles partners. What what's it like to make a switch and play with kind of a variety, more of a variety of people, I think. It's it's much harder. It it certainly helps to know your partner know what they're going to take and what I should take. And I mean, at some point you play with somebody enough, you just mesh you. You're so used to what the other player is going to do. So yeah, I, I am kind of jumping around this year. And I think by the end of it, I will, will have played with everyone a few times. So hopefully we'll have that dynamic where we just kind of flow. But next year, I'm going to try to narrow it down to maybe two different partners because it just, it just makes it easier to, to play well. One of the things that I read to uh, may have been on your Facebook page. I actually can't quite remember where it was, but it's it said that you were like during COVID when everybody was much more limited in terms of how much they could play that you were really in the in the best shape of your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously COVID it was it's been a horrible horrible thing, but as far as pickleball in my life, it, it actually turned into somewhat of a positive just because I had time that I had never had before. And I practiced, you know, I practiced daily. Adam, I had Adam here to drill with, and we spent a decent amount of time with Ben Johns and Bar. So, I mean, it's like, yes, I can, you know, I'm, practicing with some of the best players in the world and it's going to only be a good thing. And at first I felt like, gosh, they don't want me on the court with them, but you know, it was fun and they were very nice about everything. And it was great practice and coming out of COVID, I felt like I was playing the best or not, you know, once the 
quarantine kind of ended for pickleball, I felt like I was playing the best pickleball of my life, but it was a different experience for me. I never practiced like that before. So overall, I mean, I can't, I hate to even find anything positive, but that part of being quarantined was a huge, a huge positive for me. So was it the way that you practice that was different or just the amount of practice? Uh, I think both, because if I had been on the court, you know, playing with my, play with my parents every day or something like that, it wouldn't have been the same, but so it was a combination. It was, it was the the quantity of practice and also the quality. And I'd never had either one of those <laughs> so much. So it, it really made a huge difference to me. Now, one of the things I saw that you had done recently was a segment with the APP Academy about block volleys. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if we could kind of delve into that technique, because I, I think a lot of people who, you know, are, you know, amateurs aren't, aren't really thinking about that shot or the technique or how to do it or how to how to drill it. So do you mind first explaining kind of what a block volley is and how it's used? So blocking normally is happening at the kitchen when your opponent has hit a hard ball at you. And I think our instinct, because we feel like we're being attacked, which we are, is to fire back. And I think that that's good if you know where the ball is going and if the ball is high enough. But if you don't know where the ball is going to go and the ball stays low, then you don't want to attack back, at least not not all the time. So I think training so many, you know, they want to they want to attack back. So I think a huge part of this is just training your mind to maybe calm down and block instead of attacking your opponent back. And really the technique is to put the paddle out. (laughs) It sounds so easy, but put the paddle out and make you want to make contact with the ball and let the ball bounce off your paddle and hopefully back over into the kitchen. So you want to open up the face of the paddle a little bit so that the ball bounces up. But you're, if the ball's coming fast enough at you, you don't need to swing at all. You're really just making sure that you are going to put the paddle where the ball is going to make solid contact with it and it's going to bounce back over the net. And I've taught this a bunch of times and people will think they're doing that. They think they're blocking. They think they're not swinging, but they still are. So I think practicing that initially, that's the first step, just letting the ball bounce off your paddle and then putting it in point situations. Because even once you know how to block, it's hard when you're in a point situation and somebody is attacking you to convince yourself not to swing, (laughs) to just let that ball hit your paddle and bounce back over, hopefully in the kitchen. But it's, I really... I mean, I've had to change my mindset a little bit. I like blocking. I feel comfortable with it. But with the way that the the sport has developed, I have to attack more now. But it's good to have both shots in your arsenal. You you need to be able to do both. Right. You you can't block all the time and you can't attack all the time, at, you know, in, in this game. But in, in terms of the, the blocking, do you... Ha- Talk a little bit about, you know, the grip you use and how you hold the paddle and kind of the the firmness of the grip. Right. So it's a continental grip or the hammer grip. And you want the edge of the paddle to come down between your your thumb and your index finger. You should have a a loose grip. And and for me, I, I play with that grip 
for everything. Some people will change their grip, but I use the same grip for every single shot. I just think it's one less thing to think about. And I feel like I can hit every shot I need to with that grip. So the continental grip, you want to have a soft grip. So I would say out of 10, I'm probably around, probably around a four. So you don't want to be holding on too tightly. The soft, if you have a soft, you need to have enough of a grip that the paddle's not going to move in your hand, but that's about it. As as hard as you need to hold it, just so the the paddle stays in position, and then that'll the soft hands will allow you to you know <laughs> block the ball a little bit more easily. And then give me an idea, you know, what percentage you would think of of the blocks you would be hitting with your backhand as opposed to the forehand. Right. So if you were to try to cover your shots with a forehand versus a backhand, what you would find is you can cover probably 80% with your backhand. So it's only the shots that go. So if you're right-handed, only the shots that go to the right of your shoulder, that is what you would need to hit with the forehand, but everything else you would hit with the backhand. So you probably want to favor the backhand just a little bit. Uh, Not too much because if you're favoring the backhand too much, then it's a long way to go to get to a forehand. And if I see somebody sitting on the backhand like that, then I'm just going to hit to their forehand. So favor the backhand just a little bit, since you are going to block most shots with your backhand, but you don't want to go so far over that you can't easily get to the forehand. Now, either that or middle I think probably tennis players, it'll be hard if they've played a lot of tennis, it might be hard to train yourself to go to favoring the backhand at your ready position. And that's okay too. But if you're starting from scratch, I would say get used to having your ready position favoring the backhand. Just Now, what about the chicken wing? Is that something you should or shouldn't do? (laughs) If If that's all you could do to make contact with the ball, then it's fine. But it's not ideal. You're you'd be better off if you have to do a chicken wing. Then you should have been hitting a forehand. But I mean, better that than missing. So it's it's not a disaster. Just <laughs> not the optimal shot. Right. I, I guess as long as you're getting the end result and you use that uh, technique sparingly, you should be good to go. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, if it works, <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, if you're if you are hitting the ball with the chicken wing, you should have been there with a forehand. Now, in terms of practicing this particular skill of blocking, what what's the best way to do that? Or have you got a couple of drills that you can describe? Yes. So the first drill that I like to do is just quick hands where you'll be out there with one other player at the kitchen and you volley it's controlled, but relatively fast with each other. And the idea is when you're hitting a ball back and forth that quickly, it forces you to have your hands up and ready and in front. You should be hitting every shot in front of your body, which is the same in blocking. When you block, you want to meet the ball in front of your body. You want to be used to having your hands up and ready and when you do quick hands or quick volleys, you it that drill forces you to do those things without even really thinking about it. So I like to do that first. And then the next drill is two-touch drill, where again you're volleying, volleying with a partner that's across the net, 
And each shot that is hit across the net, um, you want to hit the ball up to yourself and then back across the net. So that's why, so you're hitting the ball twice. And basically it teaches you to soften your grip because this drill is hard to do if you have a death grip. So soften your grip. And then it kind of makes you think about the angle of your paddle. You have to open it a little bit, well, a lot actually, to hit it up to yourself. And also when doing this, you're meeting the ball out in front of your body. So again, it's kind of reinforcing some of the things you need, need to do when you're actually blocking. And that sounds hard. And when most people start doing this drill, they think, oh my gosh, this is going to be impossible, but most get it. Eventually, almost everyone gets it. So if you start it and you know it's not going well, practice makes perfect. So it'll, it'll happen. And then the last drill, you have one player attacking and one player blocking. So one player can only block and the other player can dink and attack. But what it does, and again, both players are at the kitchen. And what it does is it forces the blocker to get in the blocking mentality. So and when the ball's coming hard at you, instead of automatically going into attack mode, you have to think, you know, I can only block. So it kind of forces that mentality to, to block. Also, you don't have to, you know, the ball's coming hard at you. You don't have to hit it. So if you play a game, you'll find that a lot, if you hit good blocks, and somebody keeps attacking them, a lot of those tax attacks might go out. So you can also practice letting balls go, which is probably an underrated skill. It's, it is a skill. Very true. And yeah, I really appreciate your thoughts on blocking there because I've, I've done probably almost 60 podcasts now, and that was one of the skills I hadn't covered. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. To finish up here, just a couple more questions. I just quickly wanted to ask you about which pickleball paddle do you use? I use the Vulcan V520. And now I weight my paddle. My paddle is at 9.5 ounces. <laughs> and so I, that paddle starts around eight and then I put a bunch of lead tape around it, but it's solid. It's, I feel like I have a lot of power with it. And I would say for me, that was, I was lacking that more than I was lacking feel. So with the V520, I feel like I have a lot of power, but I'm not giving anything up on the field side. So that's why I've chosen it. But I would, if <laughs> with my game, I feel like the power is more important. So if I were choosing between two, they were equal with the control, with the, the softness of it, but one had more pop, I would take the more powerful paddle. And that's why you add the, the lead tape okay. too for the power? Yeah, yeah. I need to put the ball away. <laughs> That's right. Like you said, the game is changing. All right. Well, great. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, reach out to you. I, I think you are doing some some teaching and, and whatnot. Where's the best place that they can reach out? My Facebook page, Corinne Car Pickleball, is probably the, the easiest thing to do. And all my information is on there, I believe, my email address. If it's not, I will go on there and put it there. But I would say message me on there. That would be the easiest thing. And I live in Holly Springs, North Carolina. So when I teach, it's generally at Ting Park in Holly Springs. Okay, well, good to know. 
So anyways, I would like to thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. Really enjoyed the whole conversation and uh, definitely your blocking technique. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 